Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Hello, friends. I'm glad you're here. So, wow, I've had a very full week, lots and lots of stuff on my schedule, and just have a lot going on. And it's been a good week, good things, but just lots going on. And so, anyway, this topic we're discussing today that I have for you, um, it's actually very fitting for myself, too. Do you ever feel like life is just a big juggling act? Let's talk about some of the things that that you may be juggling as a parent of a neurodiverse son or daughter. There tends to be a few extras that come with this type of parenting gig that other parents don't have to deal with. And you know the things. IEP meetings at the school, maybe therapy appointments of all different kinds and sorts. Maybe you have to take your kid to med check appointments. Um, You have extra homework challenges, or homework takes a lot longer than it normally would. Maybe you're trying to maintain a more structured home routine. Your kid thrives on structure. That takes some planning and detail and, and forethought. And of course, there's just like the social, emotional, and behavior challenges that typically pop up at, of course, the least convenient of times. And just add a bunch of stress to the normal goings of life. There's just, there's just lots of extras and others that I haven't even mentioned that come up when we're parenting a neurodiverse son or daughter. And you add those on top of just the normal, regular, general life stuff of like maintaining a household with, you know, budgeting and cleaning and shopping and laundry and and work obligations and. If you have other family members that you take care of or, you know, extended family that have needs, and then you'd have your own, like, self-care needs in all of this, there can be a lot that, that fills up those minutes of each day. And then we throw in the things that often weigh us down, emotion- like, mentally and emotionally, our expectations around what we think we should be able to do or handle or what we think our son or daughter should be able to do or handle. Um, A lot of times we're comparing ourselves or comparing our kids to others. And I think a really big one is just the worry. It's so easy to, to get caught up worrying about the future. What's going to happen with my son or daughter? What's their life going to look like? What, what are we going to do? And this really all comes from our deepest desires to love our kids and to protect them. You really do want to give everything you can to your son or daughter so they can have a good life. Every parent wants their child to be happy. So when you think about all the extra things that you may have added into your life, above and beyond what most typical parents are dealing with, It's super easy to get overwhelmed. 
and to just feel like it's too much. Our child may be demanding a lot from us. And then you may have the rest of your family that has needs. And then you've got teachers wanting things from you or the, the kid to turn in certain homework, or you've got therapists that want you to do things. And there's just a lot of different people wanting and needing different things from us. And it can be a lot to juggle. So I was recently coaching a mom that had a new th- beautiful three-week-old baby. And she was experiencing a lot of overwhelm and stress and worry and was just having a hard time. She had she has other kids um, from her previous marriage, and then she's also a stepmom to the kids in her new marriage. And some of her kids, like one of them is autistic and one has, has some learning disabilities, and so there's some extra challenges with that. And she, she was also dealing with a difficult ex-husband. Amidst all of this, she was also had a really strong goal of wanting to finish her degree. And so she was going back to school to finish her degree. This was like a really important goal for herself. And so she's got all of this stuff going on with a brand new baby. As she was talking about it and what she was dealing with, I noticed that she kept saying and really believed that she, and was feeling really bad about the fact that she felt like she just kept dropping the ball. She said, I just always drop the ball. And she said, she said family members upset at her because she always drops the ball. Like lots of people have told her, she said, that she always drops the ball. And she was just feeling really bad about always dropping the ball. And it was really interesting as we talked further and as as I was coaching her, I was asking questions and come to find out she had a lot of balls that she was juggling. And she wasn't dropping. Like she was getting kids off to school and she was taking care of this baby. And she was, you know, dealing with all the different things going on. There were really a lot of different balls that she was juggling and doing amazing with. But she kept beating herself up over those few things that she felt like she was dropping the ball on. And feeling a lot of shame and hurt and sadness around it. You know, things like not getting her daughter to dance. She's got a new baby, but she's like, I want to spend time with my baby. But I feel really bad about my daughter not going to dance. And um, and then come to find out as we talk some more, there's some comparison to other moms and what they're doing. Of course, none of these moms had new three-week-old babies. Her brain kind of just like skipped over that detail as she was comparing herself. But there was just a lot of stress, a lot of things she was going through. And, but the most painful part of it all was this belief that, and that this idea that she was beating herself up over, that she always drops the ball. And so I asked her a question. And I'm inviting you to ask yourself this question What ball are you going to choose to drop? Let me ask you this again. What ball are you going to choose to drop? 
When you think of all the balls that you're juggling, which one are you going to choose to drop? And I want to ask you this. Do you, did you know that you don't have to juggle any of it? You really don't. No one's holding a gun up to your head and saying, if you don't do all of these things, I'm going to shoot you. Like, no one is forcing you to juggle all these balls. You literally could just walk out the front door, get in your car, and drive somewhere and leave if you wanted to. And you may have thought about doing that at one point or another. But you really don't have to juggle all these different balls. No one says you have to take your daughter to dance, or you have to go to that meeting, or you have to um, take your kid to therapy, or you have to make dinner for your kids, or you have to go to work. You literally don't have to do anything. If you're an adult, you get to choose what you want to do with your life. And when we think that we have to keep juggling all the balls, we feel disempowered and we get resentful. And it's not even true. You don't have to do any of it. When you take a step back, you realize maybe you don't have to, but maybe you actually want to. Maybe I do want to take my kid to that therapy session. Maybe I do want to make dinner tonight. Maybe I do want to attend that IEP meeting. But maybe, just maybe, when you take a look you find that there's also some balls you actually don't want to keep juggling. They aren't worth the time and energy. They're actually not your priority. When you ask yourself this question, what ball am I going to choose to drop? It helps you take inventory of your life. What do you want to keep? What do you want to discard? This is the kind of question that helps you to focus your brain on what's actually most important to you. Did you know that you don't have to keep doing all the things you're doing? Did you know you don't have to keep doing all the things that your parents did? What if you chose to drop, let's say, your high expectations around your son's homework? What if you just chose to drop it? What if you decided to choose that you're just going to Cook one nice meal in a week instead of every night. Like, that's actually a ball that I chose to drop. I chose to drop making nicer meals every night, and I do quicker ones during the weekdays, and I just do one nice meal on Sunday nights because I want to. I want to gather my family on Sunday night. But I started doing that when I started working for my husband at our school. What if you chose to drop some of your extra commitments in your community? Maybe you choose not to be the one to volunteer in your child's classroom. Or maybe you choose not to coach soccer every Tuesday and Thursday night. What if you chose to drop the worry ball and just decide that things are going to work work out how they're supposed to? That worry ball is so energy depleting. We spend so much energy and worry. What if we just decided not going to worry anymore? I'm just going to let things work out how they're going to work out. It's all going to be okay. Or what if you chose to drop the comparison ball? That one can really use up your mental energy. What if you just decided not going to do the comparing anymore? 
like the mom I coached, comparing to other moms that don't have a newborn baby. Like, what is the point of that? They make choices for their life. We get to make choices for our life. Choosing what ball you're going to drop does not mean that you can't choose to pick it back up when you want to. It can mean that you're just setting it aside. Like you get to choose what balls you choose to juggle. You get to choose how many balls you juggle and you get to choose how long you juggle them for. I think back to when our two oldest boys were placed in our home through foster care and that we later ended up adopting and they came from a very tough background. They experienced a lot of abuse and neglect, and they also were bounced around from group home to foster home to group home, and then we got them. And when they came, there were a lot of behavior issues. There was so much going on. They were so behind on things. They didn't, they came, we got them when they were turning seven and eight, and they didn't know how to ride a bike. They didn't know how to swim. They were throwing temper tantrums and fighting and bickering and I mean, just all the things that you can imagine going on. There was so much going on and it was so overwhelming. And my husband and I would talk and be like, I don't know if we can handle this. Like, this is a lot. And I remember very distinctly, not long after they were placed with us, that we had a big talk about, like, what do we even focus on? There's so many issues. And we realized that it was just too much to like tackle all at once. And it wasn't even fair to our boys to try to discipline and teach and do like, we would just drive ourselves crazy trying to to tackle it all. And so we made a conscious decision to just choose three, three things to focus on, like three behaviors or three, three things that like were the most important things that we wanted to focus on. And then we were just going to let the rest slide. We weren't going to discipline on all the stuff. Like we we're just going to let the other stuff slide and just focus in on three. And that was actually really uncomfortable to, to do. But then it, I think it's the thing that saved us. Because as because what we found was that as we focused in on lo- those three things and we got some momentum going and could see some improvement, it actually cascaded. They, they started to improve in other areas too. And then we were able to look at, okay, well, that's we're doing pretty well on this. Now let's work on this. And it was actually amazing to like see the progress and um, be intentional about what we were working with them on and trying to help them with. And I want to encourage you to focus in on what are the most important needs of your son or daughter, not just in your life general, but also like what's most important for your son or daughter. And I want you to question all of it because you may find things that you can let go of. And you also may realize some things that you've been neglecting that are actually really important to you and you want to refocus on. This is a really helpful exercise to really just look at things, you know, out of the box and really question and what is most important. Now, as you look at this, please be kind to yourself through this process. There is absolutely no upside to shaming yourself and feeling bad and and using it to beat yourself up. That's just the opposite of helpful. But to really take that time to look at what's most important. When you have a neurodiverse son son or daughter, the most important things may look different than 
the neighbor kid next door. The things that you need to focus on or want to focus on might be different and on a different, in a different time frame for your child. One of the things that we've found um, working with the neurodiverse population that we work with, the, the young adults, people that are young people that are transitioning into adulthood and um, wanting to be more independent is a lot of times there's been a, a heavy focus on certain things and then other things let go. And it can create some some issues. We've had some situations where the parents really heavily focused on academics and put a really high priority on that. And that's about all they could do. But because they were so focused on academics and sort of the traditional academic timeline, it actually creates a lot of issues. Because if the life skills take a second to academics, I guarantee they're going to be the first thing to create problems and failure at, at college. That would be a situation where I would really encourage you to look at how important are academics and then how important are the other areas and are we giving our time to what is most important right now. College can wait, but these life skills that, that are foundational to being successful, if you wait on those, you're, you're waiting on all of it. We've also had young adults come that the parents were really focused on school and work, right? Like that was the big push and it's totally understandable. And I, we, we totally get it. But what ends up happening is, is if they have no friends, they have no social life, at some point they burn out on school and work because what's the point? If you don't have friends, if you don't have people in your life that care about you and that you um, maybe can look forward to spending time with, it's really hard to just keep doing the grind of school and work if you don't have anything else to look forward to in your life or people in your life that you look forward to being with. And so I think it's really important to take a step back and really look at what is most important in the overall picture and maybe let go of stringent timelines or how we think it's supposed to go and question all of it. Is getting the A in that class more important than your son learning how to drive? Because learning how to drive when you're neurodiverse can take a lot more practice and time. And if you pick the A and not the driving, and then they go off to college and they can't drive, it can cause some problems. So just being aware, where do we want to put our time on prioritizing? Someone that's autistic and they have some rigid black and white thinking, there can be a lot of, um, we notice, especially with the, the higher IQ students, that they fall into very perfectionistic tendencies and it can be somewhat debilitating because to start that assignment and the fear of not getting a good grade on it, they just sit and spin and they could spend 45 minutes just trying to get like one sentence written down. And so sometimes like we're like teaching our young people to drop the ball of perfectionism. Like it's just okay to get a sentence down. Like let's just start with the first sentence. Let's focus on that. Let's not try to to juggle the entire ball of the like writing assignment. Let's just focus on a topic and get one out. We can always change it later. Let's get that one sentence written. You can always change it later. This mentality of we don't have to juggle all of it all at the same time can be really, really valuable to some of our neurodiverse young people. Now listen, if you're a human, you're going to drop balls. 
And you know what? That's okay. And you can keep beating yourself up over it, like the mom that I was coaching. Or you could have your own back and give yourself permission to do it intentionally. Give yourself the gift of making a decision to drop some balls. It is such a kind and compassionate thing to do for yourself, to decide it and choose it and own it. But I want to give you fair warning. This process can feel really uncomfortable. Dropping balls on purpose, like choosing to do that, can feel really uncomfortable as you try to decide what you want to keep and what you want to drop. I'm going to forewarn you, if your brain is anything like mine, your brain's going to want to try to keep doing it all and find rationales for why you can keep doing it all. Be worried about the people you're letting down or come up for reasons why you just can't let it go. You can keep trying to keep juggling all the balls and you may be able to do that but you may also want to take a closer look and consider some things to drop. Either way in this process, whether you still keep juggling all the same balls or you decide to set some down, it's going to be a win. Because when you do it intentionally, that's when you feel empowered and you're doing it because you want to versus because you have to. I can't even emphasize enough how important that difference is when you feel like you have to versus that you want to. So you may keep, you know, keep juggling them or you may choose to drop some, but either way, it's a win. Now, when you drop balls unintentionally, it also creates a lot of discomfort and some stress and pain, right? When you have a pattern of dropping balls unintentionally, It can be very undermining to your goals and how you want to live your life. Not to mention that it creates a lot of unnecessary extra stress and guilt and problems. You're shuffling your schedule or you have to redo this thing or now you got to come up with an excuse and or then you just want to avoid, right? It it creates a lot of drama when we when we drop a ball unintentionally. So both options, choosing to drop a ball intentionally or dropping it unintentionally, both options create discomfort. And I want you to be aware of that. But only one of these options will continue to support you in your goals and quality of life. And when you understand that, it's so much easier to make the decision, and then have your back on that decision when your family member or your son or daughter, like your spouse, whoever it is, the teacher, the therapist, whoever it is, when they want you to do something or want you to take care of something or handle something, and you have your own back on it, and you're like, I, I want to help you or I want to do that, but I'm not going to do that, or I'm, I'm doing something else different. Because I think that's one of the reasons we keep trying to juggle a ball and we almost kid ourselves that we can keep doing it all is because we don't want to disappoint the people in our life. But ultimately that ends up still creating disappointment because 
You only got so many hands and so many balls that you can juggle at the same time. I hope you'll consider this and take a look at it this week. I know for me personally, it's made such a difference in my life when I make decisions to drop things on purpose, and I'm very intentional about what I choose to keep doing in my life. And sometimes it changes in the day, sometimes it's the week, sometimes it's the month or year. But taking a look and and checking in with yourself, what do I want to keep doing? What do I not want to keep doing? What's most important to me? And I think that you'll find that this, when you give yourself the permission to do this, you will find it so freeing and so empowering and so um, energizing. You'll feel the momentum in your life as you take ownership for what and where you spend your emotional energy and physical energy and mental energy doing. So that's what I have for you today for this episode. I really appreciate you being here and I have, and I hope you have an amazing week. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com. 